already. So, yeah, we're doing pre-Aksumite history, you guys. So we're going to start with something called the Tihama Cultural Complex. I'm just looking at my notes over here. So the Tihama Cultural Complex is an area that encompasses, so for those of you who don't know your geography, this is the, let's say this is the Red Sea, and on this side we have Yemen, and on this side we have Utopia and Eritrea, right? So the Tihama Cultural Complex is Western Yemen, and then Ethiopia and Eritrea. And so what we know about this area is that, um, also, sorry, Southwest Saudi Arabia. Um, it was originally thought to have its origin in Yemen, and then it expanded out. But the evidence that's come out in the past 20 years or so has shown that it started in Tigray and Eritrea and expanded to those areas. And so what a cultural complex is, it's like usually they find pottery, um, lithics, which is just like things made out of stone, right? Mm -hmm. um, other sort of like, you know, implements that they would use in their day to day life. And that shows you that there's a cultural area because these things all have a certain similarity, like the pottery might have certain designs that's shared in a certain time period in a certain area. So that area we're talking about is Western Yemen, Southwest Saudi Arabia, Eritrea, Tigray, and um, what's the other one? Uh, the, the time period, sorry, is roughly 4,000 years ago to 1,000 to 3,500 years ago. So it's a almost 500 year period, if that makes sense. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Another interesting thing about that time period is we see evidence of something that they call the cattle cult. So this is obviously pre-Christian times. And we see, um, uh, I don't know, clay sculptures that are shaped in the form of cattle, so cows. We also see... Um, paintings, cave paintings of cows and stuff like that. And so there's uh, the thinking is at that time there was a cult that surrounded camels and people worshipped camels. And we see that cattle cult sort of continue for about 500 years and it sort of declines, but it does continue for a bit until about 2,000-ish years ago. And we also see that the cattle cult, um, there's one that existed in Somalia. Okay. Right? So they have cave paintings in Somalia that show people worshipping cows and similar things of quake uh, sculptures of uh, cows and such. So the speculation, this isn't confirmed, is that this was a sort of Cushitic sort of uh, religion. And this is something that was shared at the time of uh, Tigray and Eritrea between different peoples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2500, no, sorry, 2000 BCE to 1500 BCE, I am testified. Um, yeah, so let's see. Um, I have some stuff here. So they call it an Afro-Arabian interchange circuit. Um, and one of the things, one of the items you see trading also between that circuit is obsidian. So for those of you who don't know what obsidian is, if you watch Game of Thrones, you should know. It's like um, a, a shiny black metal, right? No, not metal. I think it's um, a mineral. Yeah, it's a mineral. It's not metal. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very sharp. And back, you know, a long, long time ago, people would use it to make knives and, you know, little sharp implements for stuff uh, for cutting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we see these obsidian um, lithics being traded in this area. Um, and we also know that there was cattle breeding going on at the time and cattle was being traded across the Red Sea. Um, what else? Uh, we see some cultural contact at that time between modern-day Eritrea and Tigray and eastern Sudan, northeastern Sudan. And let's see. Um, that's about it for that time. There isn't a lot known. So this period of time from 4,000 years ago to the Aksumite Empire, mm -hmm. there's not a lot there. Right. They're just starting to do a lot of uh, research and we're starting to see um, different cultural groups that they're identifying. There's one called the ancient Ona cultural group. I was trying to do some research. There really isn't much there. It seems to be somewhat connected to the Kunama people, but also sort of to uh, Eastern Sudan. And it's sort of based in sort of like Eritrea and Northeastern Tigray. So that would be kind of like the Agama area. Okay. And what we see is all these different areas sort of exchange, um, interact and exchange with each other. 
and the and this is typically what happens in in ancient times, and they sort of coalesce into something. So now we're going to move on to. Hold on. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I have this question, the people in the comments have these. Yes. So um, the, these like cattle cults, that, mm -hmm. they were worshiping cattle? Yeah, probably. Almost certainly. They were worshiping cattle. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Gutsum. <laughs> um, so now we're going to move on to Punt. I don't know if anyone ever here has ever heard of Punt. We talked about it a little bit last time. The really interesting thing about Punt is the way we know of it is through Egypt. So the Egyptians would write about Punt constantly. So they called it Ta-Netjer, which means the land of the gods. Okay. So that kind of meant it was like a blessed land. And they said that they were originally from this land, all this really cool stuff. And we know they sent trading expeditions constantly. Mm -hmm. The first um, mention we see of Punt is, I think, from Pharaoh. Which one is it? Pharaoh Suhura from the 5th dynasty. So that's roughly 4,000 years ago. Um, and then we see many different trading expeditions, but the most detailed one was Queen Hatshepsut in 1500 BC. So that's 3,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's bas reliefs and such, you know, the drawings, you know, the ancient Egyptian drawings. Mm -hmm. And they show them going to Punt, meeting the king and queen of Punt, and um, all the stuff they traded. They know that the uh, Punt would trade um, ivory, gold, animal skins, incense, stuff like that. And they love to get these things specifically from Punt. Okay. Um, so for a long time, there was a lot of, um, what would you call it? Disagreement about where Punt was located exactly. Okay. So people would say things like Sri Lanka, you know, modern day Syria. Eventually people sort of agreed it's either somewhere like Somalia, Tigray, Eritrea, Yemen. Some, one of those ones, right? Then they managed to find um ancient egyptian baboons that were taken from Punt. so it said so on the hieroglyphs and they were mummified so they did the dna testing on the the baboons hold on wait wait they, did they find yeah where did they find them in egypt sorry oh. so they're in egypt they found mummified baboons and that they yeah okay you heard somalia we'll get to that um so they found the mummified baboons and mm -hmm. the in the hieroglyphs and whatever it said these we got them from Punt, so on and so on the dna tested them and they said they're more likely to be from the area of tigray and eritrea than yemen and somalia right hmm. um and then the somalia thing is at a, a certain period of time it was speculated to be in somalia that's why there's a state called Puntland, right and the somalis like to claim it they can you know do so if they choose but it's most likely in tigray and eritrea hmm. um yeah egyptians they would mummify animals uh, animals they mummify baboons and such someone was asking um so they so we know these hmm? sorry they took they took them and brought them from well they took them i guess from tigray or eritrea and brought them to egypt yes from punt to egypt Okay. And let me be clear, it's not verified that Punt was Tigray or that sort of area, mm -hmm. but it's getting pretty um, it's getting pretty certain at this point. The, sci the um, science is pointing towards it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So and now I'm going to move over to a different topic, but I'm going to I'm going to connect them and you'll see why. OK, mm -hmm. so we also know of this thing in ancient Ethiopia, this legend. And I don't know, have you ever heard of this, of people being, uh, that we used to worship snakes or dragons or something like that? Um, not exactly. Like a little bit. Have you heard anything like that at all? Maybe the comments that, I heard, a bit, I heard about it from you, but prior to that, I okay. had not heard of it. No. If anyone has heard about anything like that, please comment. I want to see your comments. If you've heard anything from your parents or anyone about our people used to worship snakes. Because I heard that when I was a kid in Addis. My cousin told me that before we were Christians, we used to worship snakes. And I was like, excuse you? What are you talking about? We used I to worship snakes. Didn't uh, uncle told us, isn't that the reason why you guys were saying the dancing, the like? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. you guys touched on it last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. we uh, Two weeks ago, we touched on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so we know that the legend essentially goes, there was a, there was, we were worshiped, we used to worship snakes and we were also ruled by them, like big 
I say dragon or large serpent because that's kind of the idea. Um, and then someone came, and it's different in different versions of the story because it's not really written down. Someone killed the, the serpent that ruled us, and then generally it's a man, and then that person became the ancestor of the Queen of Sheba, of Nixtisara. Okay? So that's the, there's different versions, but that's the basic story. Then, um, okay, so that, that, that's, that's uh, an, uh, sort of what would we call it? A sort of legend we talk about in Tigray, right? So I found this story one day later. And this is important because when I told uncle, his eyes lit up and he was like, oh my God. And later on, he asked me to share him the story. There's something called the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. Okay. It's a 4,000 year old story written on papyrus from Egypt. Okay. It is the oldest written story from Egypt, right? So it's like the oldest, um, I don't know, oh. novel is not the right term, but because it's only a few pages. Mm-hmm. And it's 4,000 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here I go again with the Queen of Sheba. I see you, Fana. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the tale of the shipwrecked sailor is basically an Egyptian sailor. He's going trading. He gets shipwrecked on an island. Yeah. He's starving on the island. He doesn't have anything. I'm paraphrasing. It's, it's a little bit longer. But eventually he meets a giant serpent. And the giant serpent sort of, you know, helps him out, um, gives him stuff he needs. And eventually he says, you know, when I go out, I, I can fix my ship now and I can go back to Egypt and I'll tell the pharaoh that there's a snake here and I'll send him uh, stuff to you because, you know, you know, I'll send you food and incense and all this and all the stuff that, you know, someone would need as a thank you. Mm-hmm. And then he tells him, I don't need any of that. I am the Lord of Punt and I have all these things and more. So we have a story. So we know that we used to worship uh, dragons or large serpents, right? Or snakes. We also know that the Egyptians talked about punts. Mm-hmm. And we also know now that the tale of the shipwrecked sailor, which was written by Egyptians, talks about a sailor who goes to punt and that punt was ruled by large serpents. So there's a connection there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something really, really interesting to me. And to me, that kind of says that Punt is our history. Um, and we also see, even now in Christian times, right, we see snakes sort of pop up in our, I don't know what you would call it, in our history a little bit. Like the patron, do you know who the patron saint of Ethiopia is? No. We, you don't know? <laughs> saint George. Okay. 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 Saint George who killed the dragon. Have you ever seen that in church oh, yeah, where there's yeah. a guy on the horse killing the serpent? Yeah. Right? So there's that. We also have, you know, Debra Damo. There's the, the uh, whatchamacallit. There's the, Debra Damo is uh, on a big, like, I don't know what you would call it. It's like almost like a mountain, but it's like, it's like sheer cliffs all around. Everyone knows what Debra Damo is, right? And then there's the legend that Abuna Aragawi, I think that um, a serpent, a giant serpent coiled around him and helped him up. And there's also legends in certain parts of Tigray that some monasteries and holy places are guarded by serpents. I don't know if anyone else has heard that. I don't get it. I don't get it. So uh, are the serpents bad or good in this history? Because it's like they're both. That's a great question. So the speculation I've seen from reading is that likely they were probably good to us because we worship them. But when we became Christian, you can't worship serpents or like serpents, right? Because we're Christian. So then they become bad, right? Hmm. Also, serpents are associated with the devil. You know, in the the Garden of Eden, the serpent was the one who started all that mess, right? So we even see there's historical documents for sure saying that when certain, um, you know, back in the day, the I don't know how do you pronounce it properly, the Abuna, the leader of the Ethiopian church. Okay used to come from Egypt, right? Okay. Until very, very recently, until like the 70s. Okay. Or something like that. Um, so they would have to ask the Ethiopian or Aksumite emperors to get a new one when the old one died. And so when they got a new but one... who they? The... What do you mean they? Like the, the Ethiopian or Aksumite emperors would have to ask the Egyptian church oh. to send a new leader for our church. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. 
And there's a historical document written saying that I forget the name of the guy. Um, but when he came to be the leader of our church, he came to, um, and I forget the name of the area as well, I apologize, that he came to exterminate the cult of the serpent. And this is in the 10th century, so this is roughly 900 and something. So we know that even up until then, there were still some pagans worshipping snakes. So it's likely that, you know, when we see the stuff about the serpent helping Abu Naragawi and serpents guarding holy places, there's probably some memory there of, you know, our, our pagan past, which is interesting because we don't have a lot. This is something I point out to people. We're like very, very, very Christian. Mm -hmm. When you try and look up, like, let's say you compare to Europe and you look up their pagan past, there's stuff written down everywhere for most countries, right? Or even, um, it's still in the way they, um, whatchamacallit, the way they do their, like Easter. Why is Easter called Easter and why is there a bunny that lays eggs? There's, that's an actual ancient Germanic goddess called, um, Oster. Oh. And she, uh, she was a fertility goddess. So that's why that got associated with that. It got co-opted. Same thing with Halloween. It's an old pagan ho uh, holiday from what is now Ireland. And that got sort of co-opted into Christianity. It's not really Christian, but we see stuff like that happen. So generally, like, this is me getting a little bit more. I wish uncle was here to correct me just in case I'm saying anything blasphemous. Yeah. But like, we all know about the, um, whatchamacallit, the Deptera, right? Mm -hmm. the people who do magic and stuff. Mm -hmm. My speculation as to why they're associated with the church is that was their way of keeping them in line. Keeping so you get these, so you get these people who do like magic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying this is the devil's work, blah 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 blah, it's easier to associate them with the church and then just sort of like give them guidelines and make sure they're in in line with the church's teachings and philosophies. If that makes sense, compared to like Europe, where they're just like you're a witch and then they they burn you at the stake. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about Buddha to tube stake. I'm talking about the people like. I don't know. I wish someone could clarify because they know better. They go, they're like, what did I just Death call it? But, yeah, Deftera. Like they learn, they like learn magic. They learn, they have magic scrolls and stuff. There, It's said that like, um, if you don't learn it properly, you can go insane. I always thought Deftera was mm. uh, like an Eshu who like went rogue and started doing black magic. It could be that. I'm not super knowledgeable about this part. So... I encourage everyone here to ask your parents or elders because you might get different answers. But like, I know they're associated with magic and possibly even black magic. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about when it comes to, uh, punt and serpent worship. And, uh, okay. So let's move on. So after that, we have the kingdom of, I'm going to say Diamat. The reason why you'll see different spellings, we talked about this a little bit last time, is because back in the day before Giz was the form that we have it now, it didn't have vowels in it. It was epigraphic South Arabian. So it would be like DMT. That's how it would be spelled, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to sort of fill in the vowels and figure out what they're talking about. Okay, someone's saying, Uncle said they were associated with magic due to lack of knowledge among the general population. Okay, that's what Uncle said. Mm. Okay. Um, what was I just talking about? Oh, Diamat. So I'm just going to call it Diamat. So the kingdom of Diamat, we know, was roughly 1000 BCE to 500 BCE. So that's 3000 to 2500 years ago. Again, we also don't know a lot about that kingdom. Um... We do know that they spoke um, a very ancient form of Giz, right? Okay. And their, their alphabet system was different. It didn't have the vowels in it. And we also know that they practiced uh, Semitic uh, paganism, right? So this is the interesting thing is like unlike now where we have – actually, no, it's like now. So people think, well, how can there be so many different religions at the same time? Because you could have the cattle cult, the serpent cult. Semitic paganism at the same time. Well, just think about Tigray now. 
we have Orthodox Christianity, we have Islam, we have Entes, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a few other things, minority religions I'm not aware of. So, you know, different religions can exist in the same area at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Semitic paganism, we don't, again, also have a lot of info on that, but it's interesting. When I say Semitic paganism, it's attached to a wider regional religious system that existed in Yemen and also the modern day Levant. So the Levant would be modern day Syria, Palestine, um, Lebanon, and yeah, that's roughly it. So we see the gods at that time, the head god was Al-Maka, right? So we see the temple at Yeha is dedicated to Al-Maka, right? There's also a temple I forget the name of it, but it's, and I, th- I spoke about this last time. It's somewhere near Wuhro, right? Okay. And they discovered it recently. And it's really cool because it um, references the Temple of Yeha by name, calling it the Temple of Yeha. So we know that areas had the same name for almost 3,000 years. Hmm. So there were other gods. There was Atar or Astar, who is the god of war and love. Bahar, the sea god. Medr the earth god and you can kind of see those words make sense now what's you know bahar is like ocean right yeah <clears throat> okay mm-hmm. and then how do you say ground in our language like marriott is that is, is not or earth how do you say earth um what was the what was the next word the name of the god the earth god is med oh like midri yeah exactly there you go and um the another war god who was the son of aster was um Mahrem or Maher. And then we see we there were a bunch of other ones that were very similar or exactly the same to the ones in Yemen, because there is a relationship, an ancient relationship between um Yemen and modern day Tigray and Eritrea. Mm-hmm. Um, um like Datbadan and all these other names, but we don't have a lot of info on them. But we do know that roughly around the time that the Aksumite Empire came around around. It switched to being um, what you would call a, a sort of trifecta. So the main gods, all the other gods sort of fell out of favor and it became Bahar, Medr, and Mahrem. And Mahrem was the god of war, Bahar was the god of the sea, and Medr was the god of the earth. Mm. And obviously, and the, the primary god was Mahrem, the war god, right? Because the Aksumites were expanding, they were making war everywhere mm. in all directions. From, um, hold on. So we went from worshiping cattle to drinking mm-hmm. or snakes, and now we're at um, like these gods of ground, water, and love, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, very similar to like you know Greek gods and all that stuff. Even when Izana, I think it's the Izana stone. Before he converted to Christianity, he had like something, a big stone on a big stone. He wrote down, he wrote down all the his accomplishments of all these different people he conquered. It's actually an amazing translation. I want to find it. I was looking for it today. I couldn't find it mm-hmm. because it references different peoples today. And we can kind of get into that because we're almost done. I don't know how much time we really Before, have. We, we're almost, Danny, mm-hmm. I just want to remind the audience, like, put your questions. Keep putting your questions in the question box. We're going to go over them after. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? What was I talking about? Something about the gods? I completely lost my train of thought. Um, Look at your, you're looking at your note saying we're almost done oh yeah we're oh we're the semitic gods we're basically done um something about oh okay so he there's the izana stone so the izana stone is like a stone where he he writes all this stuff down right mm-hmm. commemorating his military victories and all this stuff right we're gonna save this live salamali don't worry um it's written in Ge'ez, right because mm-hmm. at this point in time, this is roughly 2,000 years ago. We've, we've skipped ahead. It's written in Sivain. And it's also written in Greek. So people wonder why did they write stuff in Greek? Because at that point in time, Aksum was becoming a large empire on the Red Sea, which is a very, very important area. So in Greek was the lingua franco at the time. If you were an educated person in that area of the world, and I'm talking like <clears throat> North Africa, Middle East, Southern Europe, you had to speak Greek. Same way now, educated people outside of North America or England speak English, right? Because it's the lingua franca of the world. And you need mm-hmm. to speak it to be able to communicate with other people. Yeah. So that's why they had part of it in Greek. 
but the inscription basically talks about his military victories against different groups of people and the three gods the, that he talks about are Mahrem, Bahar, Meder, but the way he translates it into Greek is Bahar is Poseidon, right? The 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 god of the ocean for the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mahrem is Ares, he calls him Ares, and Meder I forget. Okay. And then he says, um, you know, I'm the son of Mahrem. That's the thing too, that the Aksumite kings would say that they are the divine children. They are the blood of, of Mahrem, the god of war, and that's why, you know, they win they win all the battles and all that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, we're basically done. Are there any questions? We well, just real quick from the comments, somebody was saying a uh, Sabian script in Aksum. Maybe mm-hmm. that was into what you were talking about. I'm not sure. Maybe there's Sabian script like everywhere. So that's an interesting thing we see is like throughout Tigray and even Eritrea. Um, we see the, the Sabate, and let's differentiate. There's the old, old version of what Ag is mm-hmm. that is not Sabaean, and then the Sabaean, which is like the Yemeni version, right? And we see both of these inscriptions in both of those languages throughout Tigray and Eritrea. And the script that they used was called Epigraphic South Arabian. The reason they call it epigraphic South Arabian is epigraphic is because of the kind of writing system is South Arabian is because back in the day, they assumed it had to start in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And then it came over. What are you what are you confused about? Uh, what is it? Q-Beth? No, Danny, stay on topic. I'll, I'll get okay. the lineup. OK, all right, I saw. <laughs> um, they assumed it started in Yemen because we're black people and black people can't do anything. That was literally it was called the Hamitic hypothesis. Black people can't mean things, so it has to be the the lighter-skinned people across the coast. Um, But the evidence we see is the oldest inscriptions are found in Tigray and Eritrea, Mm -hmm. and in abundance, right? Yep. So we have an idea that um, we know we see these inscriptions everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. Like, they found churches where they find, like, a piece of... Um, stone that was taken from somewhere else and it's got an inscription on it. So that's that's what Sabine is. Okay. Uh, and, a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny, can I go to the question box? Let's go to the question box. Okay. So somebody asked, uh, oh, what happened? Okay. All right. Somebody asked, um, what was the relationship with the kingdom of Kush and Sudan mm-hmm. and the pre-Aksumite people? That's a really good question. Um, the pre-Aksumites. I'm not sure if the Kingdom of Kush extended before the pre-Aksumite phase. Actually, I think it did. Um, yeah, it would have. The pre-Aksumites before 80 BCE, um, I have a feeling the contacts were mostly trade. I'd have to look this up and be sure, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm pretty sure it was mostly just trade. But um, eventually we get to a point where the kingdom of Kush and Mero sort of declined and the Aksumite empire a few hundred years later um, destroyed them. Mm-hmm. So, and we see Izana talk about this. So probably trade, cultural contact. I know they find periodically in Tigray when they're digging, they find Kushite and Merodic um, artifacts in, in, in uh, cultural sites in Tigray. So we know there was trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so somebody else is asking. Um, it's okay, guys. All questions are welcome. Yeah, all questions from, yeah, it doesn't matter if, uh, anything. Uh, somebody's saying, um, when did we start calling our land Tigray and uh, when did we start speaking Tigrinya? That is a great question. Okay, I'll answer the one about Tigrinya first because it's easier. Okay, so we don't know is the real answer. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Um, there's a lot of speculation about Semitic languages in Africa. I call them, they're technically called Ethio-Semitic languages. I call them Afro-Semitic languages because they're in multiple countries, Ethiopia, Eritrea, and Sudan. Sudan has Tigre. I don't know if everyone's aware of what Tigre is. But um, when did we start speaking Tigrinya? So the relationship between Giz, Tigre, Tigrinya, and the South Semitic, uh, Ethio-Semitic languages 
um, Amharic, Gurage, Harari, all that, not entirely clear, especially between Ge'ez, Tigre, and Tigrinya. Mm -hmm. Most people assume Tigre and Tigrinya came from Ge'ez. Some people think they might be sister languages. I'm of the opinion that they came from Ge'ez and what we're seeing with um, what we see with the change from Ge'ez to Tigrinya in those languages is um, just a slow sort of like evolution. So like, I don't think there's a point where we just suddenly started speaking Tigrinya. Is probably Ge'ez, and you know it changes over time under the the Cushitic influence of you know Aga and whatever other languages that were there at the time. Yeah. And I don't know. It's really I really couldn't put a date on it. I couldn't put a date on it because if I tried, I'd probably be very very wrong. So. That's fine. Um, um, wait. Let me let me answer that second part of that question. When did we start calling? When did the area we're from start being called Tigai? That's a really, really, really great question. So first, we have to understand the relationship between toponyms and ethnonyms. Toponym is a place name. Ethnonym is the name of an ethnic group. Sometimes these two things are related, sometimes they aren't, and the way they get to where they are can be confusing. So the toponym, Tigray, that's the place name. Ethnonym, Tagaru, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're related, Tigray, Tagaru, mm -hmm. right? The earliest example we see of that is from the Izana stone I was talking about earlier. One of the tribes that he says he conquered and defeated was called the Tigreti. Hmm. Now, some people take that to mean that the Tigrayans were different than the Aksumites. That's not how that works. Toponyms and ethnonyms can change and get incorporated and get appropriated and change over time. Like we never called our, our people never called ourselves Ethiopians. Hmm. Right? They, in that Izana stone, the Aksumites called themselves Ethiopians in Greek because that was the best approximation they had. Same way that they used Zeus for, um, sorry, Poseidon for Bahar and uh, Ares for um, Mahran, right? Interesting. Even there's a group of references called the Ad-Agam. And people take that to mean Agame, and it's probably that's where the word Agame, and even Ad-Ago, so that he... He says he conquered the Agal people. Mm -hmm. So the next references we see is roughly like 1300, 1400, 1500, around that time. The area, uncle talked about this. Tigray was actually a, a Aksum and Adwa. That was Tigray. And my guess as to how that area became known as... Uh, Tigray, the whole area, is probably like if you're outside of Tigray and um, Aksum and Adwa are the um, administrative area, right? You're going to, and someone from, say, Agame comes or Shire and they speak the same language as those people, you're just going to call them Tigray, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with um, Amhara now. There was a specific region in Amhara called Amhara and what's now Wollo. But only up until recently, they all started calling themselves Amhara. Up until recently, they would say, I'm Gondare, I'm Gojani, I'm Wolliye, Showa, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's probably like a name that originally referred to a small group that lived in Aksum and then over time expanded and became a, a, a toponym for the whole area and as such became an ethnonym that... Um, was used for all the people who lived in that place. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So can I go to the next question? Yes, let's go to the next question. All right. Somebody wants to know. Okay. Uh, does artifacts with. Hmm. Sabeab script make a strong case for Queen of Sheba existing? <laughs> okay. Um, I wonder if that was Fana. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Do do artifacts? Sorry, what? Can you read it again? Okay. Do artifacts with sub Sabiab? Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sabiab mm -hmm. script make a strong case for Queen of Sheba existing. With Sabian, so I'm assuming they mean Sabian script. Um, not really, because I don't see. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because she was the Queen of Sheba. Sheba is the English version of Saba. 
it's the same thing, Shiva Saba. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so when the Bible and the Quran reference Saba, we know it's a real place, right? Yeah. So they're referencing a real place that existed in both Yemen and Tigray. So actually, maybe kind of, it's it could be used as a, some evidence. I wouldn't say it's um, conclusive, but maybe. How about that? Maybe. Okay. Somebody else asked, uh, is it is it true that Amharic is the language created by soldiers? That's also a great question. I've heard that one a lot. Um, the, the real answer, and this is the real, the real answer is I have no idea and no one knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen speculation about the origin of Amharic. Um, one that I've heard is that as originally it was like a pigeon. So uh, that the language we spoke at that time, that could have been some kind of version halfway between Ge'ez and Tigrinya. Um, when it came into contact with Aga languages, because Amharic is very, very, very like once you get away from Ge'ez, Tigre, and Tigrinya, the other uh, Ethiosemitic languages are very, very Cushitic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it started off probably as, or not probably, it could have started off as a pigeon, where like, um, so like a pigeon is like um, a lot of the languages or dialects in the Caribbean used to be pigeons where the people don't know how to speak the language properly and they sort of make it up as they go along. Like in Nigeria, there's something called pidgin English that some people speak, right? And then it could evolve into a Creole and then to uh, a language. Um, one piece of evidence I find interesting, someone pointed out to me, and I thought it was interesting for the idea that it might've been Aksumite soldiers, is that we do know that around that time, Aksum was pushing more southward, right? Okay. And Aksumite soldiers would have been the ones in military camps in those areas, very similar to like Roman soldiers exporting the Latin languages to France, Spain, Portugal, and whatever. Yeah. Um, and someone pointed out to me that some Amharic words are very interesting. So how do you say small in Tigrinya? Neshte. Yeah. How do you say small in Amharic? Do you know how to say it? Tinesh. Yeah. It's the same word, same root. But it's nishte, tinish, but the like, whatchamacallit, the syllables are switched, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And there's, and there's a few other, I forget the other examples, but someone pointed out a few words like that where it's odd, where it's like, like, um, there's a bunch of words in Tigrinya and Amharic that are similar and like they're basically the same, but like, yeah. you know, For- like ein, eini, or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a few examples of some words in Amharic where they get switched in a weird way. So people, that might be some evidence. But the real answer is we don't know yet. Interesting. Okay. Uh, somebody was asking if you could recommend books. I'll, I'll just say also, Danny um, is, has like a Discord page kind of with like Tigray information, Tigray history. So if you guys want uh, the, the link to that, just DM the... United Tagaru Canada account or Danny's account. Mm-hmm. You can feel mm-hmm. free to DM Danny too. Um, and we can send it to you guys. But yeah, do you have any book recommendations? Um, what you just said is probably the best way. There's like so many. I should probably, how about this? I don't have any right now, but next live, I'll, I'll, I'll get a, a list of book re- recommendations for you guys and I'll have them by like certain topics. So next live, I'll let you guys know. Okay. Somebody had asked, uh, who, who are the true descendants of the Aksumite people? Oh, okay. Um, I think that's me. me. Hmm? I think it's, it, I think it's gotta be like me and, you know, Deka Aksum. Whoa. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Settle, de- settle down. Huh? All of Tigray. Okay. <laughs> All of Tigray. Um, is definitely we're definitely the descendants of Aksum. You see the cultural similarities. One of my favorite things to show people is they found an old pot from Aksum in the shape of a woman's face or head. And the hair is like exactly like the traditional hair of a Tigrayan woman, right? So it's like, you know, the braids and then it goes out a little bit at the bottom. But we're not from Yemen. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
you know what? I'll debunk that later after we're finished the questions. Um, but definitely the people of Tigray, definitely certain groups in Eritrea. Um, and I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. We have another question, which is, um, okay. I thought, I thought military conquerors of Tigray were Gurage. Military conquerors of Tigray were Gurage. Yeah. I think what the person is referencing is what Bazin, um, sorry, um, what I, what we spoke about last time, um, where some of the Aksumites left from a place called Gura in, in, in Eritrea. And that's why, um, and I think Age, it means like child of or son of. I could be wrong. We need uncle on here to clarify. Oh, but, um, I can leave. Uncle, I no, see no, uncle no, 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 in the no, no, comments. No, 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 no. I see him in the comments. So, um, uncle, like, I don't know if you're free now, if you want to hop on. They don't need me. They need you guys. But there is speculation that, like, you know, all these groups, Hararis, all the ones who speak the Semitic languages in Ethiopia, they came from Aksumites conquering different areas of, of Ethiopia. So maybe that's what they're referencing. Okay. One question um, that had happened earlier, and Uncle, if you're available, you can you can uh, request the live. If not, don't worry about it. I, I got it under control. Uh, but um, so do you know Memher Girma, Danny? No. Okay, so then never mind. But um, <laughs> that was the controversy in the comment section because um, I don't know. He may or may not be. I think it's not uh, recognized in the Orthodox Church um, by the Orthodox Church. He's not accepted, I guess. Uh, and I, I think some people were saying that he is um, a deftara, could possibly be. But I don't know. I don't know the information about that. So I don't want to okay. say yeah, but I wish we had uncle is driving apparently. So <laughs> next, this is why we need uncle. You need to be on next time so you can fill in the gaps. Um, but yeah, is there another question? Uh, hold on. There was, well, somebody had commented earlier. I don't, it's, I don't know if it was a question meant to be a question, but somebody was asking if La Libala was built by slaves and considering you were teaching us about slaves last time, I don't know if it would be worth it to touch on it. Um, okay, so this is what we what we know. And Lalibella was built by um, Emperor Lalibella. I don't remember. I think he had a. That's not his real name, but that's neither here nor there. What we see is that style of architecture was throughout Tigray. So rock-hewn churches was out Tigray before. I forget when Lalibella was built. I think 12th century. Mm. Um, so we see it all over Tigray. Especially within a certain corridor, I think in like, like it's like Wukro, like um, uh, Adwa. But I didn't, I'm a little bit hazy on the geography, mm -hmm. but and it's for several hundred years, right? Yeah. Um, and we know that the style that they built Lalibela in is mimicking older styles found in Tigray and like during the Aksumite uh, times, right? Mm -hmm. So, like for instance, Debra Damo. There's a wonderful documentary on YouTube. Um, maybe I can uh, link it at some point um, where uh, this guy goes throughout and he visits different architectural spots in Ethiopia and he shows the evolution from, you know, different stuff like the, the, the obelisks to Debra Damo to uh, Lalibella to the castles in Gondar where they're mimicking older styles. So in Debra Damo, they have something called monkey heads where they would take wood and like, shift it into the, the the building like in a very specific way i'm not i don't really remember exactly how but it served a specific purpose in making sure there was structural integrity right and we see that mimicked in lalibella and the other churches at that time but it doesn't serve a purpose so they didn't really know what they were doing they were just copying a previous style oh yeah also what we do know is at that period of time, when they were building these rock-hewn churches in Lalibela, the Agao people, because they were Agao, mm -hmm. the Lalibela and those emperors, rock-hewn churches, the building of them, was paused in Tigray. They stopped being built. 
Why? At that time. We don't know. We just know that as soon as they started being built in that area, they were being built. They stopped uh, being built in Tigray. Then, as soon as Yukunu Amlak takes over from the Shawan dynasty, it resumes in Tigray for roughly 200-ish years. So, so, you know, you can... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You can make your own conclusions from that. That's just what I was going to say. What were you going to say? No, because S. Thought said something interesting in the comments about... Um, the dude who was giving him the tour of the churches in Lalibala said some type of evil was there. And this is interesting because I don't know if it was you who told me this. Somebody told me that, uh, oh, I don't want to ruin it, but mm-hmm. when they went there, what is we? I'm going to ruin it, but I feel like it has something to do with you, ha- you have to be fasting, you're not allowed to eat meat or something like that. And when you go there, uh guys somebody help me in the comments where i must have heard this on clubhouse but anyways like somebody didn't do it correctly okay did mm-hmm. did, did not do what they were supposed to do like oh no i'm waiting for somebody to help me in the comments i'm sure i heard it on clubhouse but anyways a- anyways apparently there is evil there and like people go into um like become possessed there if they're if they're okay do you know what i'm talking about i've heard that in like other places yeah yeah Mm, anyway not specifically lalibella you know they say people get possessed and then the priests like beat them and stuff but Mm. interesting yeah i want to know what kind of evil if s dot if you can clarify that would be nice like what kind of evil are they talking about are there any more um questions uh let me check guys feel free to ask some more questions, anything you want, nothing is off the table. Uh, let me see. No, these are all old questions, I think. Oh wait, no. Somebody asked, um, "Why do the rock hewn churches have <laughs> have swastikas in the window?" Oh, I, um, I used to know the answer to this question. I'm reaching at this point. It has nothing. It's not a swastika. Well, it is a swastika. No, it's a it's a cross. They have different designs of crosses. Um, in so you know the one we have in the Orthodox Church in our Orthodox Church, it's like a really elaborate like four cross. It's like this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's like another one here and another one here and another one here. So there's like elaborate designs and different designs. And I know I read somewhere that it's like. You know, the cross is normally like this. That's the basic cross. Yeah. And if you take it and alter it, you can kind of turn it into a swastika. So that's why they have them on churches throughout Ethiopia in some places. Yeah, it's not like it's not like we hate Jews or anything. It has nothing to do with the Nazis at all. Oh. Is that what it's called? At, yeah, yeah. Mm, there's a very good question in here. Uh, but before we get to that... Uh, what did he say? They said they said they had slaves build the church, and that the swastika represents God's omnipresence. Hindu Hinduism swastika. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's like a an elaborate kind of cross that means something. Like if you go to the church in Ethiopia, there's many different versions of the cross, and they all have like a they're supposed to have a specific meaning. Okay. Um, yeah, are you done? Okay, because this is the question. That's really interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. he said, during the Aksumite Empire, Empire, did we enslave our own people? Did we have slaves? Me and Danny talk about this a lot. So this is why it's an interesting topic to me. Um, we definitely had slaves. Slavery did, like, honestly, technically only really ended in 1991 when the new government came into power. Before that, it was like, I think if you start from Theodorus, I think Theodorus was the first one to outlaw slavery, and then every subsequent emperor also outlawed slavery. Nothing ever really came of it um, until we hit the Italians. The Italians came in; they like were a little bit more stringent, but honestly, up until 1991, the situation was ambiguous. There were still people who were slaves, so the Axumites definitely had slaves. Did they enslave their own people? I'm betting they did. We we do know that there there's some evidence of um, um, human sacrifice. 
in axomite times and pre-axomite times. So I wouldn't be surprised. And here's like, I'll just throw, this is something I've heard from a few elders spoken to and spoken in hushed tones that in the old days, and they didn't clarify to me how old, that when a master would die, sometimes they would also kill their slaves and bury them with them. So. I mean, it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I just thought that was interesting because we don't, we don't have to go as far back as to the Aksumite kingdom. Like our grand grandparent, great grandparents had slaves. So we don't have to look that far back guys. I encourage you to ask your parents about this. It's a very, mm -hmm. um, of course, embarrassing and shameful topic. So, you know, people aren't willing to, they're not jumping to tell us about about this history, but it's definitely a thing and it was very common. Um, yeah, ask about it. Yeah. The, this, the term, I'm sure some of you guys have heard, uh, you know, the word baria. So that's what the word for slave is in Tigrinya. And uh, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone asked, is baria a tribe? Apparently, it's a tribe in Eritrea. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my guess is, like I said, toponyms and ethnonyms and how names can change. Apparently, it's a tribe in Eritrea. And Present day? Like a, hmm? Present? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. I never heard that. Apparently. And they were, um, whatchamacallit, um, they're dark-skinned, you know, darker than us. They don't look like us. And then that name got associated with anyone who is a slave or anyone who's, you know, dark skinned. Slavery was global though. Yeah. Basically everyone had slaves at that time. Yeah. You know what? You should tell them where our slaves came from because, oh, we only have two minutes left guys. So, oh, but, um, that, yeah, today was a short one. That's it. Um, tune in next time. Hopefully uncle will be with us and we'll be talking about the Aksumite empire. And that one is going to be, you know, there's a lot, a lot of topics to go on because there's a lot of history at that time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you have any questions, um, we'll put up a post, I think maybe like a, not a post, a story. What is it? A poll or whatever mm -hmm. on Instagram. Oh, about, not, about the topics for next, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can ask questions and we'll, we'll try and answer them. Hopefully we can have uncle on next time and he won't be driving. <laughs> you better appreciate my my co-hosting right now i, I you know I'm i do now. you did amazing you did, everybody give a hand to febu she wasn't prepared for this she did an amazing job yeah exactly there you go thank you febu we'll see you guys two weeks it's every two weeks so next week we're off and the week after that we'll do another one and that one we'll probably do a longer one we'll probably do two yeah okay mm -hmm. thank you danny thank you memher danny bye everybody thank bye, you for coming thank you for watching